and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. There's a very special word that appears 99 times in the New American Standard Version of the New Testament. 99 times. That is according to the website Bible.org. The word is gospel. What a beautiful word. The word in the original language that the New Testament was written, that would be uh, Koine Greek, is the word euangelion. Euangelion. It literally means good news. Good news. That's, again, according to Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek Words. Good news. The first use of the word gospel is found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And that verse says this, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Jesus, all throughout Galilee, in his earthly ministry, was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And that word is used uh, a few more times throughout uh, the Gospels, and it's found uh, some in Acts, and it's found once in the book of the Revelation, but most of its uses are in Paul's writings throughout Paul's epistles. And so, it is a very important word. It is a word that means good news. So what is it? What is the gospel? Well, I want to just share from the Word of God today, as best as I can, what the gospel is. This is a, a very important word, as I'm sure you may know. And if you don't know that, I want you to know it by the end of this podcast. So what is the gospel again? Well, generally, let's start with that. Generally speaking, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, Paul writing, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In other words, anybody. Uh, in that day, a lot of people looked at the world through uh, two lenses. There were the Jews, and then there was everybody else, the Greeks. And so that's basically saying this gospel is to uh, everyone across ethnic lines. And and so what is it, though? It, It is the power of God that brings salvation. Generally speaking, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. I don't want you to miss that term, the power of God. The gospel in and of itself is powerful, the very power of God. How powerful is that? Think about that. The power of God that brings salvation. It is the good news of the kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of God. Uh, again, Matthew 4.23, remember? Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? And those phrases are used in, in, the, in the gospels. Uh, the kingdom is the sovereignty. It's the rule of God, and specifically the rule of God, in, first of all, in the hearts, in the lives of individuals. 
Salvation brings us into the kingdom of God, into the, under the rule of God uh, directly in our lives. And then, of course, the kingdom of heaven is, has future reference too, but we're not going there today. So the gospel is the good news of, of a relationship with God, the rule of God in our lives. The gospel is uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Hear what the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1-4. to Paul said, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also re- you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain." For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that, here it is, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. There it is. The gospel that Paul delivered to those folks was the the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel, generally speaking, is that. It is also... Generally speaking, a call to repentance. Matthew chapter 4 again. Back in Matthew chapter 4, we read verse 23 where Jesus was uh, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. But verse 17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's rule in your life is nearby. It is at hand. Repent. And so repentance is just simply turning from your own way to God's way. It's as simple as that. It's doing a 180 degree. We're going down our own way. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And so we have to understand that the gospel is a call it's a call to repentance in a, in a general sense. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, after Paul preached that sermon, uh, excuse me, Peter preached that sermon on the day of Pentecost. They said, what do, they, they asked, what do we do? And Peter in verse 38 said, repent and be baptized. Repent. In chapter 3, verse 19, again, they're told to repent. In chapter 20, verse 21, repent and believe on Jesus' name. And so the gospel, we cannot leave that out. It is involves turning from our own way and turning to God's way, repentance. But let me go into a little bit more detail. Let's uh, specifically look at what the gospel is, the good news is, and what it, and, and put it in the proper context. First of all, if we go to Romans for that. I've already quoted Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. And then he goes through the entire book of Romans, essentially, and talks about and goes into detail about the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, it is a recognition of sin and its consequences. Got to start there. Why do we even need the gospel? This is not just some kind of a little, um, um, I'm going to believe that Jesus uh, exists, that I believe in Jesus. So, you know, people talk about that. They believe in Jesus. Well, so do the devils. So do the demons. The scriptures say the demons believe and tremble. They know who he is, but they're not saved. Uh, it begins with a recognition of our own sinfulness. And its consequences, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 summarizes it when it says, For all, all, A-L-L, all, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is missing the mark that God sets. It's missing God's standard. 
It is uh, uh, disobeying God in, in His righteous standard. And when we're guilty of one little point, we're guilty of all, uh, we're told. One point of the law, we're guilty of all of the law in Paul's writings. But if you back up in chapter 3 to verses 10 through 12, wow, it really gets specific. It says this, as it is written, uh, there is none righteous not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who does good. There, not even one. Did you hear that? None who does good. We're all useless in terms of uh, what we have to offer God. We have nothing to offer God. Our righteousness, our self-righteousness is as, as dirty, filthy rags when you compare it to the righteousness of God. We fall short and we're all sinful and it all... Sin has its consequences. And what is it? Romans 6.23 uh, For the wages of sin is death. Death is separation. Uh, first of all, it is separation from a relationship with God. We're all separated by sin. We're enemies of God. We are separated from God by sin now. But then there is not only immediate, there is not only that spiritual death, but there is that uh, physical death, of course. Separation of the body from the soul. Sin brought on physical death. But then there is eternal death, and that is where we're separated from God forever. Forever and ever. Sin has its consequences, and we've got to understand that we all are condemned. We all are condemned by our sin. Everyone, automatically, condemned by our sin. But then, uh, the gospel is not only a recognition of sin and its consequences, it is an understanding of the substitutionary death of Jesus to pay for sin in full for those who believe. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8 says this, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. Oh, thank you, Lord. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? That means that uh, Jesus, who is the sinless one, the perfect God-man, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man, Jesus took our sin on Himself as if He had committed it, although He hadn't, and He paid for that sin on our behalf by His death on the cross. He suffered separation. That's what death is. He suffered separation from God on our behalf to pay for our sin in full. God was fully satisfied. Read Isaiah chapter 53. You'll see that. God looked at it and He was satisfied. Um, and so the gospel is an understanding that Jesus died in our place to pay for our sin in full. And then it's a realization that the only way back to God and relationship with God is through Jesus and what he did on the cross. John fourteen six, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so uh, it is a realization that the only way back to God is through Jesus and trusting Him and what He has done in His finished work on the cross and not through anything else, that anything that we could do. Not of works. It's not that. And then the gospel calls for an act of faith. 
believing and trusting in Jesus. And it's not just an intellectual assent, but it is, it, it is a full relying on, trusting in the Lord Jesus. Romans 10 verses 9 through 13 makes that very clear. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, Ephesians chapter 2, it is by grace through faith. It is a gift from God. Even the ability to believe is a gift from God, that faith. And and this trusting and believing in Jesus inherently includes repentance. It means that I'm no longer trusting in my own way, but I'm turning from my sin, from trusting in my own way. And I'm turning, I'm repenting, I'm turning to trust and believe and place my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. And through that, I'm forgiven of my sins. I am granted the righteousness of Christ, uh, and I am clothed with that. I become, because of all that Jesus did, I am brought into right relationship with God forever. Think about that. That's the good news of the gospel. And there is absolutely no equal to the gospel. No equal to this good news. There's plenty of good news out there if you look for it, but this is good news with a capital G in. It is eternity changing. There's no other news that changes our eternity, that changes our lives, that brings us into right relationship with God. It is not just good news. It's the greatest news ever, and it costs the most ever, the life of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God. I don't change people's lives. Nothing I can do can change people's lives. But if I will share the gospel, the gospel changes people's lives forever. And so here's the question as I close this podcast. We've got the gospel. We know how precious it is, how important it is, how powerful it is. What do we as believers do with it? What do we do with the gospel? How do we respond to it? Well, on the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about that. Until then, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.